Oh yeah, ooh, ah, that's how it always starts. But then later there's running and then screaming. Think it'll scare the kids? The kids? This will give the parents nightmares. My name is Austin Torres, and welcome to the Would You Die podcast, the show where we talk about our favorite horror monsters and villains. Welcome to Jurassic Jude, a whole month of this podcast dedicated to the cinematic treasure known as the Jurassic Park franchise. This is the third episode, and I'm excited to welcome back to the podcast film composer, singer-songwriter, and my dear friend, Josie Palmer. How are you doing today? Hey, Austin. I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me on the podcast. I love Jurassic Park, so I am totally here for this conversation as listeners who have already been listening probably know you first appeared when i first started this and we talked about the babadook amongst other horror scores we sure did uh today we're going to obviously focus on jurassic park and the living legend known as john williams but the first thing i gotta ask you this time around what's your favorite dinosaur mine yeah it used to be a bronchiosaurus just because they were vegetarian. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, they're the nice one. But I, I think it's it's probably a stegosaurus now. Stegosaurus. Nice. That's a good pick. I um, I got to let you know that the first two guests I had doing Jurassic, uh, Jurassic June with me, they both picked the T-Rex. Oh, did they? <laughs> so uh, congrats on being the first unique dinosaur. Woot. <laughs> No hate to the T-Rex, though. <laughs> well, that the I I should have figured the T-Rex was going to get a bunch of uh, picks. It, it's also my favorite dinosaur. So hey. part of me is like, oh, no, the streak is done. But the other part of me is like, OK, good. There, there are other dinosaurs we could talk about. <laughs> <laughs> T-Rex is still pretty cool, though. They're all they're all fun. they're all cool. They're dinosaurs. Have you ever been to a. Uh... DTE did like a drive through dinosaur park thing. It was probably aimed at kids, but I went and it was <laughs> so much fun. They had like animatronics I, and. I haven't done the um, the drive through one. I don't know if you remember. You probably do. We're basically the same age, but the Detroit Zoo used to do this thing called Dinosauria where they had the animatronic dinosaurs at the Detroit Zoo, and you can walk through. I don't know if I remember that. That sounds so cool, though. I, I don't remember much of the Detroit Zoo, though, as a kid, though. Like, I know I went, but I don't really remember going. Well, I remember I remember specifically the dinosaurs because that's my brand. Was it the Toledo? No, it was the Detroit Zoo. I know for sure it was the Detroit Zoo. All that to say, I've done a similar thing. <laughs> <laughs> It's fun. Yeah, it's it's definitely really cool. So you are a Jurassic Park fan like me and I hope most other people. What are your like earliest memories of Jurassic Park? Probably just, you know, it was on TV as a kid and I don't know if it was the music that roped me in or actually I think I know. I think the first Jurassic Park movie I saw was um I think it's the third one where uh what's the third one called again Jurassic Park 3 that one doesn't have a title 
Um, Jurassic Park 3 is the only one that's Jurassic Park with a number. So the second one is the Lost World Jurassic Park. Okay, well, I guess that explains why I couldn't think of the name. I'm like, there's got to be a name <laughs> if the other two have names. Okay, so just Jurassic Park 3, um, but the scene where the T-Rex the gets into the backyard and, like, eats the dog, that's, like, the first memory I have of seeing Jurassic Park on TV. And then I think just the score probably like it does with everyone who watches Jurassic Park just like sucks you in and it's like this is the most magical thing I've ever heard and you just fall in love with the music and the movie as a whole and that's like the magic of John Williams and the magic of film scores really because I feel like a great film score can just kind of transform a film like that you know yeah definitely I I do have to say you're on the right track thinking it had a name the scene the scene you described, that's from the second movie. Oh, my gosh. See? Okay, so, so the <laughs> second one. that's the one... Lost World. Okay, Lost World. Ah! You were right. You were right. <laughs> <sighs> Lost World. Okay, yes. <laughs> in, in your defense, the Jurassic Park sequels, at least two and three, I feel like a lot of people sometimes kind of mix them together. They're all right. They're definitely not as, they don't hold a candle to the original, but. Right. They they do what they can, so they they do kind of mush, <laughs> and and they're they're fun movies. I enjoy them, but they're not the original. And I'm not going to ever be like like those movies aren't going to get rewatched as many times, right? As the first, not even by me. <laughs> yeah, they they don't hold the on wonder of you know that first reveal of seeing the dinosaurs when you know the car pulls over. Like it's they as good as they are they don't have that experience that feels like it's the first time you're seeing dinosaurs and yeah and I think that's kind of the magic of the first one because no matter how good a Jurassic Park sequel can be that first movie is just it it is one of the greatest films of all time agreed (laughs) and to and to expect the sequel a, a sequel to ever live up to that is just impossible Right. At this point, I just hope they're fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess we can't be mad if they're not. They just, there's no chance they could ever be as great. That's right. kind of how I feel with the, the new trilogy. Yeah. So the Jurassic World Dominion will be out by the time I release this episode. Oh, no but kidding. But at, at the time of recording, neither of us have seen it. <laughs> yes. Yes. We are it in the dark. It is not out yet. <laughs> kind of depending kind of depending on how things go i might tag on a little review listeners stay tuned or maybe not i might not do that but we're here to talk about the musical score of jurassic park and to kind of get into that we got to talk a little bit about john williams our boy our boy (laughs) (laughs) would i be correct in assuming he's one of your favorite composers yeah absolutely it's him and Sylvester in a neck to neck, but I honestly, I think the Jurassic Park music and especially the main theme is like what made me fall in love with film score and made me want to pursue that because it's, I've never had music like in, I don't know, I've never had a theme so ingrained that it's just like you, you can't get it out of your system. And so I, John Williams has to take the lead for that one. I am 100% in agreement because Jurassic Park is a movie that makes me want to make movies. And it's also, it's a reason why I wanted to play music. That's awesome. I, you know this, but for those listening, 
I'm a trumpet player and I did marching band for a long while. And the reason why I picked trumpet is so I could play Jurassic Park. <laughs> I eventually got to do that multiple times in my uh, band career. So it was always like a nice uh, full circle moment. That is nice. I actually um, got that full circle moment twice. Fun fact, because like I said, I picked trumpet so I could play Jurassic Park, you know, and Star Wars and the Indiana Jones thing, you know, <laughs> all the Williams. But, uh, oh, yeah. All the Williams. But um, Jurassic Park was the main one for like 12 year old Austin picking trumpet. You might remember this because I think you were there. But um, my senior year in high school, I was able to convince our band director to let our to let our uh, symphonic band play the Jurassic Park theme. Did the strings get to join on that? I don't remember. Maybe. I don't remember that. I know I we did it at the Waterside concert. I feel like I was salty because the orchestra <laughs> didn't get to play on it because that was also me like growing up in orchestra. Like when we get our spring selections, oh, I hope Jurassic Park is in it. <laughs> and then never. <laughs> I Once, I remember we played it, but it was with like, like one of my earliest orchestra groups. So it was like, bunch of like nine-year-olds playing a squeaky uh Jurassic Park on sea so it was <laughs> on one of those watered down arrangements yeah <laughs> I I feel that I think it was the the symphonic band when we did it I remember that was not a watered down <laughs> arrangement it was way too hard for us oh man you got but the real deal we got yeah we got the real deal but you know it's senior year of high school your last my last concert and I got to play the piece that made me fall in love with that type of music only to join a few a few years later in my last year with the Spartan marching band we did a John Williams show which featured the Jurassic Park theme oh that had to been so cool and that was definitely my favorite show that we did that I did with the Spartan band so that does not that surprise a, me. <laughs> and it was a great arrangement, but we also got to do Raiders March, the Olympic fanfare, nice. um, a little bit of Jaws and a bunch of Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> That's so but cool. I, I'll get we'll get in Jurassic Park in a second, but I got to ask, this is a horror podcast. Don't forget. What are your thoughts on the Jaws score on the Jaws score? I do love the good Jaws score. Um, actually, funny enough, I, when I was kind of reviewing some of the Jurassic Park score bits for this, um, mm-hmm. I noticed some similarities in how Williams will pick like a real grimy uh, theme. And he does the same thing with like the carnivore theme, not to jump ahead in discussion, but he'll mm-hmm. like starts with it real slow or just introduces it slowly note by note and then speeds it up until it gets real frantic and kind of in a similar way he did with Jaws not quite the same but you know just kind of picking the closest pinchiest melody he can and just kind of speeding it up and uh, I thought that was kind of interesting to see in both scores yeah I do love Jaws that's that's really interesting because there's obviously a through line between Jaws and Jurassic Park both being Steven Spielberg blockbusters, but you can not only see the evolution of Spielberg's um, filmmaking craft from Jaws to Jurassic Park, but you can kind of see the evolution of um, John Williams scoring 
from Jaws to Jurassic Park. You know, the Jaws score is, I mean, they're both fantastic. One thing with Jaws and Jurassic Park, kind of since you were saying that Jurassic Park um, came years later after Jaws, and you can kind of see that development in both Spielberg and in Williams, is you can tell that in the Jaws score, while it still succeeds at like building tension and not really knowing when you're being hunted by, uh, by the shark, it still kind of maintains a structure in like a March-like not March, but in terms of like time signature, it's it's very to the point where with Jurassic Park, you can see a much more, John Williams doesn't have to rely on a steady time signature to kind of move it along. Like he experiments a lot more with these sporadic textures where you, you can't tell where the beat is. You can just tell that the growth from those two scores, even though they're both incredible, he kind of plays with different tools in Jurassic Park than he does with Jaws. That's that's really uh, that's really interesting. I like that you mentioned new tools, and I'm assuming you mean in kind of like the compositional technique. Yeah, that's to be expected from a, a 75 to 93, uh, 17 year difference. Wow! I did yes. that math. I did that math in my head. So if it's wrong, it's wrong. But a track I want to mention real quick, and what. At this point, we're just going to hop around the Jurassic Park store. <laughs> There's a track called Dennis Steals the Embryos. <laughs> yep. One, it's a bop. <laughs> it's like like that piece goes harder, like much harder than it has any right to. Yes. It's like an espionage meets jungle. It's It's so funny, especially like listening to it out of context. It has a slight bop to it indeed. It's really unique not just within the score itself but within John Williams kind of entire musical body of work because it's it's very heavily uses synthesizers and that's an instrument that John Williams doesn't typically use it has this great rhythm behind it with like these funky horn lines kind of over top the the cues called Dennis steals the embryos. It's the scene where Dennis Nedry, played by Wayne Knight, he's stealing the embryos. I always like that part. It's so electronic, mm-hmm. but it doesn't feel dated. No, and the film needed to have kind of, and while not being necessarily comedic, the film it kind of had to create space for like this lighthearted hatred towards this villain who's like not full-blown villain but villain like and it, it makes it feel not ridiculous but still allows you to loosen up it's done pretty well yeah because he's the closest thing to a i enjoy jurassic park because there's no true villains in it right there's selfish people and there's dino uh, like dinosaurs Predators. yeah yeah the dinosaurs in jurassic park aren't aren't really bad they're just doing what predators do chaotic neutral exactly although i think you can make the case that the raptors are hunting the people because raptors are smart (laughs) (laughs) they they are a little more conniving they probably know that's the easiest prey they're gonna get (laughs) yeah (laughs) so um either dennis nedry or the velociraptors are the closest thing to a villain that uh jurassic park gets but um 
I think the next natural thing we should talk about, and with this being a horror podcast, we should spend probably the most time with is the carnivore theme that plays prominently throughout. Oh, yeah. So if you want to describe that for our listeners real quick. Sure. So the carnivore theme is a four note uh, motive that is most often played on trombones or low brass throughout the film. It's I'm trying to think of anyway, I try to explain it in terms of like stepwise motion is going to be confusing, but it's the one that goes da 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 i can't even hit that note because so low but um (laughs) (laughs) that carnivore motif really plays in service of the velociraptors so it's there in that first 15 seconds and it's only hinted at until the last third of the movie where it really accompanies the raptors although there's a really cool rendition of it in the T-Rex chase scene, the famous must go faster scene. <laughs> and I really enjoy the T-Rex chase, but it's a bummer because you can't really find it to listen to it. It's only on the deluxe version of the soundtrack, which isn't on Spotify. Mm. The soundtrack itself, it doesn't go in a chronological order, does it? No, for whatever reason, John Williams does not like putting his stuff in order. Dang it. That's his one flaw is he he likes to go on shuffle. (laughs) And it's like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) I guess it makes for a better listening experience, but I don't know that that's above my head. Yeah, you don't get to do that in succession, though. And that's I don't know. Oh, well. But yeah, the carnivore motif is really prominent in the last third of the movie, especially in the um, the cue T-Rex rescue and finale, mm-hmm. which is probably some of my favorite film score writing ever. Yeah, that's a good one. And that's like, if you don't know the Jurassic Park score off the back of your hand, like me and Josie do, it's the part in the movie. So the T-Rex rescue and finale has the raptors in the kitchen scene. The Lex computer hacker locking the doors through the through the computer. Um, this is a Unix system. I know this, that scene. <laughs> and then the raptors chasing our main heroes through the visitor center just to be rescued by the T-Rex. Hence the title T-Rex rescue and finale. That has just the coolest writing, I think. It does. It matches yeah. the irony of the scene that, you know, here they are being saved by the thing they were running from earlier. It's it's very cleverly done. Clever girl. <laughs> Clever girl. <laughs> that scene has a really cool menacing moment of the carnivore theme. I think it's on the tuba, mm-hmm. just blasting those four notes. Oh, as, as the banner comes down? Oh, I was talking about the clever girl. Oh, oh. <laughs> when the banner comes down, that's just like these big John Williams chords. I, I don't know how else to describe it. <laughs> John Williams chords. Yeah, it's it's a huge, awesome moment. Yeah. When you listen to that part in the score, it's like these big, I always think of like New World Symphony inspired. It, it doesn't sound like New World Symphony, but I can see the inspiration from that piece of music sure those big chords before being followed by like kind of like the big dramatic bump 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 like that type of music 
but it's I find it funny because while it's having that driving rhythm, the higher instruments kind of duck out for a second so you can hear the T-Rex roar more clearly. And he's just letting the bass instruments kind of propel the scene. Yeah. Even John Williams knows to get out of the T-Rex's way musically. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone back down for the T-Rex. And it just creates like one of the best moments in cinematic history. So great. The other thing that's so cool about, I mean, that scene and then kind of leading into it when they kind of go into, it's the last probably like 20 minutes of the movie when they go into like, okay, this is kind of our final final mission here, save the day. And it uses the the journey to Jurassic Park theme, the real heroic one, but it's kind of like scrambled and minor and it takes a, from the start of the, okay, we've we've got a plan to the T-Rex saving the day for it to finally unscramble and get back to that heroic theme that we are introduced to when they get to the island. And that's, I think, one of my favorite things in the score is that deconstruction of it, not quite there yet. It's more militarized. And then you get back to that uh, we made it theme. I love that. Uh, I love that analysis of it. Um, Let's talk about the journey to the island theme for a bit. For those listening to bum 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 ba da 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 that famous music (laughs) (laughs) which you hear when the characters are flying to the island that's your standard iconic john williams fanfare it's your heroic trumpet heavy john williams like yeah that's what you pay for a movie ticket for exactly (laughs) talk about that music for a little bit or that theme i guess sure see like you said it's your classic john williams feel very triumphant very brass led very big chordal brass it's kind of interesting with that theme especially when it's taking place the first time is it never really comes to a resolution it either passes the melody off to a different instrument or it changes keys and um, since it's happening when they're on the plane it'll pass off the melody to like the flutes or the strings while um, while the characters are having dialogue and then as it goes back to looking out the window or the, the helicopter's landing, the melody gets passed back onto the trumpets and then there's a key change and then you think it's going to resolve and then key change. And so it also kind of creates this, the first feeling of, I mean, besides, you know, opening titles, it creates this feeling of unsteadiness. You don't really know what's going to happen. It's very heroic and very exciting, but there's no resolution. You're just like, oh, what's around the corner? I don't know what's around this corner. I still don't know. And so it kind of sets the tone for you don't know what's going to happen when they get to the park, which I love so much. It also, to get a little into like the theory of it, it touches on the Lydian mode a little bit, which is where like the fourth note in the scale degree is raised. So it has a bit of that, like that wonder and kind of majestic feel. Well, I'm glad you talked about how it kind of leads, but you, it's not quite sure where it's going. It's has this forward momentum that's unresolved because in the in the film it kind of leads directly to the first main set piece of the film and then the musical the most iconic music of the film the actual Jurassic Park theme where we um, see the Brachiosaurus for the first time in any other movie the journey to the island theme would probably be the most recognizable piece of music 
and it is a very recognizable piece of music but everybody knows the theme from jurassic park yes everyone this is the one that like i was saying earlier like hearing this theme in some shape or form will make you fall in love with this movie even if you don't love the movie for what it is like this theme alone it just it's the most insane thing like as an adult I'm sad to say like it's one theme that can make me well up like a baby because like it just it does something to you it's it's a hymn you know it's a spiritual Mm -hmm. song and I think that's it's just yeah sorry continue (laughs) no you're good you're good I I love that you say that it's a hymn because I think you're totally right it is it's something that I can imagine a four-part choir in a church singing yeah at like an Easter mass which thematically fits because the movie is about the resurrection of dinosaurs and the main theme is a hymn a hymn you know gives us that church almost religious quality and you know resurrection that's where we get into like Jesus and Christianity and Easter true so that's actually that's a fun little connection (laughs) and that's one I think John Williams either consciously or subconsciously knew because there is a um, choral element when you see the brachiosaur for the first time yeah oh absolutely John Williams will always you know be known for his orchestral and brass writing but he knows how to incorporate a choir very well oh my gosh the way the choir is written into that it is you just said it perfectly like he knows how to write a choir into a score into on top of things already going on you know the the melody is already being carried by by strings and all kinds of instruments and I think my favorite part is when the choir goes up to that chord on the I gotta think through it I think we might be thinking of the same part as you're thinking of it (laughs) it might be my favorite part too uh, yeah, we probably are talking about the same thing, but it's like the choir just like changes like lifts and it's the perfect. Oh, I'm trying to think where in the theme. I think falls. the melody is like. Yeah, so, when the melody hits that part, I think the choir just hits this beautiful chord, li- like lifted chord. I love reading the sheet music for this, I think, or like trying to find it at least. I think like the high sopranos hit an F. Nice. I know it's in the key of B flat. I don't know what the chord is off the top of my head. It's this heavenly chord. (laughs) Yeah. At the top of the melodic phrase. And it just hits so well. And I think also because it's not like the choir's like leading or sitting on top that whole melody. It's just it comes in at the perfect times or it's mellow until you get there. And then it it's just I think because it's not overused it makes that that chord even more scrumptious, you know? Right. And it's just another case of John Williams and Steven Spielberg making movie magic together because it's not the first time they've married amazing music with amazing visuals. Because I, I, I think of E.T. and Elliot flying across the moon while the E.T. flying theme is playing. Mm-hmm. Or... um the map room in Raiders of the Lost Ark are the entire end of Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Like John Williams and Steven Spielberg have a knack for creating these 
awe and wonder inspired moments through visuals and music, but it really comes together in Jurassic Park because they go hand in hand. You can you can look at those brachiosaurs and CGI for the first time and be like, oh, that's really cool without the music. And you can listen to the music and be like, oh, that's really beautiful without the visuals. But together, you, you get something magical. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And I'm just going to touch on this real quick just because it kind of fits with what we're saying. But this is, don't hit me for this, but who, <laughs> d- <laughs> who directed the the most, like the new trilogy? Okay, so these are not household director names. And it's a different person for each one. So Jurassic World and the upcoming Jurassic World Dominion is directed by Colin Trevorrow. He's best known for Jurassic World. Okay. And then Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom was directed by J.A. Bayona. I think you would best know him from a film called The Orphanage. Okay. So it wasn't Spielberg on any of the new trilogy? No. Spielberg executive produced each one. So he's involved. Okay. But he's really letting other filmmakers do their thing. And he's just kind of guiding them, if that makes sense. Okay. Well, that's cool for those directors to have that experience then. Oh, yeah. Um, But I I ask because, you know, as you know, like bits of William's score are used in the newer film. Like, of course, you can't remake Jurassic Park films without using his famous theme. Um, But when they do, it's not married to the film in the same way it does in the original like it it still has that awe and wonder of the the two main kids you know entering the park or in the hotel room opening the the windows but it's just like it's not married to the film in the same way and so like yes just as incredible as William's score is in that moment you're totally right it is you couldn't have one without the other because we have that in the trilogy and it doesn't land the same way no, I, I completely agree. And I don't think that's Michael Giacchino's fault. No, no. Because, because he pretty much did the music note for note there. Yeah. When you, when you hit them that magic the first time, it's near impossible to recreate it. Right. <laughs> Not that they didn't try. I will always reward effort. Oh, yeah. No, it, it's still good. <laughs> I, I was just saying in the same way that like, because there's still that on wonder when they do introduce that theme and they do walk into Jurassic world for the first time in the trilogy or the second trilogy but it doesn't marry as well as it did in the first trilogy and i think that's that's just what i was saying no i completely i completely agree so one question i need to ask is at the beginning of each jurassic june episode i ask what's your favorite dinosaur because at the end i ask the titular question would you die you pick the stegosaurus (laughs) Have you ever seen the movie Dinosaurs? <laughs> Absolutely, I die. Well, you, well, you got a actually, chance. I do have a steg- chance. Yeah, the stegosaurs um, are nice. They're herbivores. Yeah, and we got our armor. But you don't need to kill kill them. You just need to survive. Yeah. So but- um, the, ste- the stegosaurs' big scenes in the franchise is in the Lost World Jurassic Park. And the only reason why they attack um, Julianne Moore's character is because she's taking a picture of a baby and the camera runs out of film and makes a weird noise. So the baby panics and the stegosaurs get all 
Mamasaurus on her. Mamasaurus. And attack her. But yeah, as long as you don't startle a baby. <laughs> well, I just realized I answered your question wrong because when you asked, I I was thinking from the point of if I was a Stegosaurus, would I oh. survive? <laughs> I don't know why my brain took it that <laughs> way. <laughs> but that's what I was like, are you sure? Well, I think you would be a very good Stegosaurus. Oh, thanks. Maybe in another <laughs> life. May we'll we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I, I like your chances of surviving a stegosaurus. Like I mentioned earlier, um, the other two guys picked the T-Rex, so they've had it much harder. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess I have a chance then. Did you have any final thoughts on John Williams or the Jurassic Park score? Let me see if there's anything I wrote down I didn't say. I don't know if I said this, but even though like the the journey to journey to what is that one called journey to the park journey to journey to the island journey to the island god i'm journey... such a nerd <laughs> this is why i need you <laughs> um, <laughs> journey to the island and then the jurassic park theme those are played the least throughout the film but they are the most well-known themes from the film but they're each only played two or three times you know we have it well both are played in the journey to the island and then we hear the Jurassic Park theme, of course, when we see the dinosaurs for the first time. And then we hear that theme again when they're sleeping in a tree, I think. It's like a yeah, uh, like, like a little lullaby version of it, which is really cute. And then the end. But in comparison to all the other music in the film, you hear way more of that like carnivore theme we talked talked about. Um, so it's I think it just it makes those heroic and like beautiful moments even that much more because we get all this tension throughout most of the film that when we get there for some reason our brain remembers those themes so much more I, I love that yeah you're absolutely right so this has been a blast it has I always I wish I could I wish this could go on longer but unfortunately we got to bring this to a close do you have anything to plug or you um, know, all that fun stuff all that all fun that stuff, fun stuff. <laughs> um let me think well if you're listening to this i have a show tomorrow night june 16th uh at smalls in hamtramck that's gonna be a really fun show um i think i have another one july it's a great question i gotta check my calendar <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i have one technically tomorrow night um in hamtramck that video game i think funny enough that i talked with you Last time we did the podcast yeah. that was going to come out that month, it's now supposed to come out, I think, in July. So there's a slight shift. But yeah, keep your eyes. If you want to go check out uh, Azure Ravens Entertainment on social media, go give them a follow. That's the game studio that I write music for. And they're currently raising funds to get started on a big RPG uh, they would like to work on soon. They're really excited about it. And yeah, I I'm sure they'd love for you guys to follow along on the journey with that. And also they've got some uh, a VR game, Goblin Forge, that should be releasing in July or August. So if you want updates on that, um, you can find that on their page as well. Awesome. So thanks for joining me once again. And I can't wait until the next time we talk about something spooky. Yes. Thank you so much, Austin. I'm always down to talk Jurassic Park. <laughs> Oh, you know, I am. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you enjoyed the interview with my dear friend, Josie Palmer. 
Because of timing, that was a shorter interview than normal. But with Jurassic World Dominion finally coming out, I can talk about it freely on the podcast. So spoiler alert for Jurassic World Dominion for the rest of the episode. If you've been listening to the past couple episodes, you know I've had some concerns going into this movie. Not about quality. I've seen a bad Jurassic Park movie before, and I've definitely seen bad movies before. I We are horror fans, right? I wasn't really concerned about that. A bad Jurassic Park movie is not going to ruin my day. I'm going to be like, well, I don't know. I've, I've seen it before. Whatever. What was going to ruin my day was if they messed with my girl Roxy that is probably my favorite movie character like I I, I'm just I love Roxy for a lot of reasons mostly because I was you know a young boy growing up in the 90s when Jurassic Park was king so the lack of Roxy in the trailers and marketing materials had me um the focus on the giga gave me jurassic park three flashbacks like i i remember the toys and the and the marketing lead up to jurassic park three just for the t-rex to be you know offed after 30 seconds of screen time and it devastated seven-year-old austin 27-year-old austin was hella worried I'm pleased to report that Roxy lives. Unfortunately, Roxy barely gets any screen time. Uh, we'll get into some of the problems with the movie. Um, I have some issues with how they did Roxy in this one. But the main thing is she lived. We're good. That was my main concern. And then I got a not great Jurassic Park movie. Oh, no. Yeah, it wasn't great, but like. It did some stuff pretty well. I've seen the critical reaction to this film being way too harsh. And I like, it's pretty hard to find fair reviews of this film because a lot of the reviews I've read are, well, they're bad reviews in the sense that they're calling the movie bad, but they're bad reviews in the sense that they're not very well thought out poorly written and they're not engaging with the material presented a lot of the criticisms are like well it could have been this it wasn't judge it on what it is and not what it could have been and i and it's just like a lot of contradictions in the reviews i've been reading so i'm not saying the movie's good i'm just saying the reviews have been way too harsh it's not that bad it's not the worst Jurassic Park movie I've seen, and it's definitely not the worst movie of the year I've seen. Jurassic World Dominion is probably more in line with a weaker Marvel film, something like uh, Black Widow or The Eternals. Like, those movies aren't bad. I I've definitely seen more. Disappointing, sure. You want these franchise films to be great every time, but it's not going to be Jurassic Park. It's not an Avengers film or a Thor Ragnarok or Guardians of the Galaxy, but it's also not good. So if you go into this film and you come out and you don't like it, you don't like it. That's fine. If you come out and you think it's the worst movie you've ever seen, I envy you. <laughs> I've seen way worse. I will defend this 
film to a point because there is a lot of nasty things being thrown around, nasty things being said. And like human beings made this movie. There was a lot of craft and a lot of heart that went into this. And not everything in the film worked. I'll talk about that in a second. But there was a clear effort. It didn't feel like a cynical cash grab, which, yes, this movie is a cash grab. So is Top Gun Maverick and Spider-Man No Way Home. But no one's sitting on those movies. The biggest issue with Jurassic World Dominion is it tries to do way too much. It's a two hour and 20 minute film. And I felt like key plot elements were cut out. Actually, I know key plot elements were cut out. They made a six minute prologue, which if it was kept in the movie, the movie would have made a lot more sense, especially with how it treats Rexy. And we would have gotten more Rexy screen time, which is always a plus. The problem with this movie is I'm not sure what could have been cut out that doesn't derail the film even further. It's all over the place and tries to do too much. I think the solution is this. This feels like a film that shouldn't have been a trilogy ender. It should have just left it open for the next one, not try to cram in so many plot elements And as much as I love Sam Neill, Laura Dern, and Jeff Goldblum, they didn't need to be in this movie. I know not everyone's a fan of the Chris Pratt or the Bryce Dallas Howard characters, but them fighting for screen time with the Sam Neill character, with the Jeff Goldblum character, with the Laura Dern character, none of them won, if that makes sense. Every plot line, and there are a bunch of plot lines in this movie, feel spread thin to the point where I have to really think. Like, I guess the best way to put this movie is there's a bunch of sequences. Some of them are really good. Some of them are really not held together with like yarn. It doesn't feel like a story more like a collection of mini episodes that lead into the next one. It doesn't feel like a larger cohesive picture. It feels almost like video game levels in a sense. And you can tell there was a lot of thought put into this. The characters, they start out in what feels like their natural position. And there's... um elements in this world which makes sense not just an in-story world like how that world would operate but just in the larger Jurassic Park franchise with what Michael Crichton did in the original book so individually I think all of the plot lines work what causes the movie to not work is all these plot lines are taking away from each other and none of them feel complete. And then the movie kind of just ends and you feel satisfied by none of these plot lines, which is disappointing because I do think there was a lot of thought put into these plot lines. 
one that I see a lot of criticism for is the B plot line where Laura Dern's Dr. Ellie Sadler is brought in to kind of investigate these giant locust, uh, genetic, these giant genetically modified locusts, and then leading the original characters to the new evil company on the block, Biosyn. I don't think that's a bad way to go about. I think that plot line makes sense. Yes, after the fall of Engine and the release of dinosaurs into the world, other companies are going to fill that vacuum. I don't think you bring in any of the original three characters with a plot line having to do with the dinosaurs. They've been through that shit. You have to have something else bring them in. And I think locusts that can affect the food supply, that's not a bad idea. The problem with it is it takes away from what audiences really want to see, which is dinosaurs. If they plan this out for more movies and allow this plot line to grow, you can introduce this plot line for it to be a major plot line in a future film. But they wanted to wrap everything up in one. And I think that's where the disconnect between the film and the audience lies. So on its own, I don't think it's a bad idea. But it doesn't work. And you can tell it doesn't work because a lot of people are saying it's more like Locust World Dominion, not Jurassic World Dominion. Am I right? The audiences aren't wrong, you know. And I could argue for the Locusts all day. But what I can't argue with is like the general masses. So, but that's just one of the many plot issues this film has. Another plot plot area where this film suffers is I personally like the character Blue. I like that Velociraptor. I like the little arc that Velociraptor has been through in Jurassic World and in Fallen Kingdom. And I don't like that she appears for maybe a minute of screen time, maybe a minute and a half. She's in essentially a glorified cameo. And I and I think that hurts the film because what the other two films have done well is set certain dinosaurs up as characters in their own right. You bring back Rexy. You introduce Blue. Even the Mosasaurus kind of feels like its own character. So when your most popular dinosaur, other than the most iconic Tyrannosaurus Rex ever, if you do a disservice to Blue, I feel like you disservice the audience especially when the audience has made it clear they don't much care for the human characters. And I know a lot of people were excited for Sam Neill as Dr. Alan Grant, Jeff Goldblum as Dr. Ian Malcolm, and Laura Dern as Dr. Ellie Sadler. I was super excited too. But when you watch the first Jurassic Park movie, you don't think of them for, well, maybe Jeff Goldblum because he's hot. But you think of Rexy. You think of the raptors, you think of the Dilophosaur or the Brachiosaurus. You th- the dinosaurs are the main attraction of these films. And what Jurassic World, I think, does very well is it r- makes the dinosaurs characters. Blue is a character. Rexy is more of a plot device in the, f- in the original Jurassic Park 
retconned into a character in Jurassic World. Although you could argue she's still a plot device in Jurassic World. But the way she's shot, the way she's treated, that's why I think she's retconned into a character. And this movie sidelines both of the big stars. Rexy's hardly in it. Blue's hardly in it. Luckily, Sam Neill, Laura Dern, and Jeff Goldblum, they get screen time. They're in the movie quite a bit. Obviously, Chris Pratt's in the movie quite a bit. Bryce Dallas Howard is in the movie quite a bit. There's a new character named Kayla Watts, played by DeWanda Wise. She is like the best. She's awesome. I hope they make a spinoff of her in her. She's like a a smuggler pilot who turns good. I hope they make an Indiana Jones type adventure with her and dinosaurs, like helping dinosaurs. That'd be great. I think you can make a fun movie out of that. They bring back Dr. Uh, they bring back B.D. Wong as Dr. Henry Wu. They bring back Omar Sy from the first Jurassic World. He plays Chris Pratt's kind of like buddy, um, assistant animal trailer trainer, Justice Smith and Daniela Pineda. I don't think I said her name right. They're from Fallen Kingdom. They come back in this movie. The clone girl from Fallen Kingdom's back. They bring back a super minor character from the original film and live and made him into the main villain uh lewis dodson you know the uh nedry line dodson dodson we got dodson here see nobody cares well i cares and they and colin trevorrow cares too made him made him the villain which i enjoy because he's a much bigger factor in the book and i do enjoy that element to it but that's a bunch of human characters i just named and they're all fighting for screen time with lines that don't really work there are some line deliveries by laura dern that were so cold and flat that i've never seen before from her and i it's not her fault it's like Star Wars prequel level lines. No one could perform them well. And I don't want to shit on the writers too much because how do you write a Jurassic Park movie? I don't think a lot of people realize how hard that is because it's not a franchise that will die. I've seen a lot of reviews saying like, should this be the death of the Jurassic Park franchise? It won't be. The franchise has died before. Thanks, Jurassic Park 3. I'm pretty sure people said that when Jurassic World came out. They might have even said it when Lost World came out. Point being, dinosaurs are cool. Dinosaurs will always make money. And it's hard to make a Jurassic... Not not even a Jurassic Park film, a dinosaur film. People just... We as audiences do not suspend our disbelief well for dinosaurs. It's hard to make a dinosaur film that's not silly or stupid, you know? Think of a good, try and think of a good dinosaur movie that's not Jurassic Park. King Kong? King Kong gets a pass, I guess, but I mean, Tammy and the T-Rex rocks, but that's not a good movie. It's hard to make a dinosaur film, and the only franchise we as an audience seem to embrace is the Jurassic Park franchise. So there will always be a market for Jurassic Park. The franchise won't die. And I feel for anyone who gets picked to make one of these films because 
who can say no? It's, it's such a wonderful sandbox to play. Jurassic Park as a franchise is on the same level as Star Wars and Marvel to where, or James Bond to where if you get the opportunity, you take it. And yeah, you're going to get a lot of like hate mail, but to be a part of a huge cinematic franchise, I think there's a almost a sense of glory to be had, even if the movie sucks. But that being said, there's so much pressure in making these films. I, I really feel I really feel for someone who has to make a Jurassic Park film. I mean, I would take the opportunity in a heartbeat, but that that pressure, because it's harder to make a Jurassic Park film than something like a Marvel movie. Marvel's got a formula. They crank out hit after hit. Jurassic Park, there's no formula. The original movie worked, but you can't distill that into a formula. It doesn't work again. And Jurassic World was fine. It followed the Jurassic Park formula to a T almost. And it's not Jurassic Park, you know? I guess I can, I, I can feel for the creators of Jurassic World Dominion. I hope they make a lot of money because a lot of people are going to send them nasty things. That being said, the movie is like, eh, I'd give it a 2.5 out of 5 stars, but I'm going to bump it up to 3 because Rexy is in it and she didn't die. But just know there's a half star just because of my love for that dinosaur. The action sequences are done well. Um, There's a really cool Jason Bourne-esque chase in Malta and it's basically a Jason Bourne chase scene with velociraptors and it's awesome might not work for everybody but it worked for me I love that scene I enjoyed there was a lot of horror in the second half well kids horror I enjoyed the Dimetrodon cave that part was a lot of fun I thought the Giganotosaurus was a fun addition dinosaur wise I guess what I'm trying to say is this film was meh. It's not, it's not that bad. It's not good, but I mean, come on. I think it's just a bunch of reviewers trying to get their articles read by being overreactive and just shitting on a movie that tried to do some things and tried to put in as much fan service as it can. And it didn't work. That's, that's all it is to it. The franchise will be fine. This movie's going to make a bunch of money and then they're going to take a little break and find out which direction they want to take next. All there is to it. I said this was going to be a review on Jurassic World Dominion. It ended up being an unhinged rant. Um, I apologize for that. I'm surprised you're still listening. If you liked it, let me know. If you didn't like it, let me know. If you thought it was the worst movie you ever seen, I think you're being dramatic, but whatever. Because there's a lot of parts I liked about it. And there's a lot of parts I didn't like about it. Oh, my God. The fight scene at the end. I, I thought I lost brain cells for a second. And the fact that they did my girl Rexy so bad. Like the initial fight was pretty cool. And then the Giga wins it because they want, you know, want to try and raise some stakes, I guess, which fine, whatever. But then Rexy gets back up like, you know, she does. 
in this really, really cheesy close up on her eye, which doesn't make sense without the prologue. <laughs> it's laughably cheesy. And then she teams up with Freddy Krueger-Saurus, which is this awesome looking long neck herbivore with a beak and these giant claws. And Rexy literally just pushes Zagiga into the new dinosaur's claws, what should have been the coolest moment or the coolest part of the fight is more like it happens in five seconds. And you're just like, what, what did I just watch? It was not a well done sequence. It was dark, hard to follow. And what's the most disappointing aspect of that is Colin Trevorrow did an amazing job with the Rexy versus Indominus fight at the end of the original Jurassic World. That is probably one of my favorite blockbuster one shots of the last decade. It is so cool and a really good display of CGI effects mixed with uh, practical explosions and sets and digital sets. Like it's a bunch of elements working together to make something really badass. And then this movie is almost like a has a parody of that scene. And since it's at the end of the movie, maybe that's why people are saying it's like the worst movie they ever, ever seen, because the end of the movie like kind of falls flat on its face. And that's a, and then you walked walk out after a bad ending and you're just like, well, that sucked. Maybe or maybe they hated the whole thing. I don't know. Just through it's like just their opinion, man. But yeah. Jurassic World Dominion has some issues. Like I said, some really cool parts. I like the Dimentrodon. I like the Sarazinosaurus. That's the one with the long claws. Um, I thought the locusts were a good addition. I don't think they were done necessarily well, but I thought it was a good way to expand the world. It was cool seeing the original Jurassic Park characters back even if they were forced to say some pretty bad lines. I don't think any act, I don't think any of the actors did a bad job. If they came off as bad, I think that's more to do with the writing and the direction than it does with the actors. I think there's a lot to criticize from the writing and the direction. But the final thing I'll, the final thing I'll say about it is I can tell I don't think it, it worked but I could tell they tried really hard to make something that balanced something new with fan service. I don't think they got it, but I could tell they tried. There was heart put into this film and I will applaud the effort given. So yeah, like I was saying earlier, let me know what you guys think or don't think. And what's your second favorite Jurassic Park movie? Cause come on, Jurassic Park's the best one. There, who's going to, like come on so but yeah let me know talk to me about jurassic park jurassic world dominion jurassic world jurassic park 3 lost world jurassic park jurassic park world fallen talk to me about all the jurassic park movies i love them thank you for listening to this episode shout out to my friend josie palmer for once again joining me on the podcast josie has been a great friend of mine for many years and i love collaborating with her do you like the cool pictures on my social media pages they are all done by this episode sponsor 
Hannah Cordy Photography. If you are in the Downriver area in Michigan, she's pretty much the best photographer around. Whether you're doing wedding photos, senior pictures, awesome 80s themed family portraits, or even promoting your own horror movie podcast, like yours truly, Hannah can do it all. Hold on to your butts because you're about to get a great deal. Mention any of the Jurassic June episodes while booking and you will receive 10% off your photo session from now until the end of 2022. Once again, that is Hannah Cordy Photography and I'll provide a link to her website below. As always, you can find the show social media on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Would You Die Show. You can find the Would You Die YouTube show on the Three Wise Men Media YouTube channel where you can also find professional wrestling, trailer reviews, and much, much more. The music featured at the beginning and end of each podcast episode is composed by my friend, Josie Palmer. Next week, we continue Jurassic June with another returning guest. Until then, I'm Austin Taurus. They move in herds. They do move in herds.